Hey everybody, I'm Marty Dodson. And I'm Clay Mills. Welcome to Songtown on Songwriting. Hey everybody, welcome to Songtown. I got Clay Mills with me. Uh, we have, which we, actually this should have been the word of the day last time because you said it, plethora. But we have a plethora <laughs> of songwriter excuses that we want to talk about. And we want to kind of de- debunk some of these things. Uh, we've not seen each other's lists, so we're going to um, kind of hit each other blind with these and get responses to them. So, Clay, and, go ahead. Marty, I may have or may not have used some of these excuses in my past mm-hmm. before I figured out how how to have a pro mindset. I can yeah. own up to it. It took me a while yeah. to, to get too. over excuse-itis. Yeah, I think we all been there. All right, here's here's one on my list. It's a closed system. People are trying to keep me out. So Uh, what do you say to somebody if they come to you and they say, you know what? Music business is just a closed system. They're trying to keep me out. Yeah, no, I mean, I got this exact thing on my list because I got an email from an aspiring songwriter yesterday and it started out. We're all just at the mercy of an industry with powerful gatekeepers and nearly insurmountable ability to limit those outside of Nashville from ever being heard by a decision maker. Whoa. I was like, Oh my, wow. Like that's heavy. Mm -hmm. Um, Here. And and here was my reply. Everyone I know, all my friends in the music business, you, myself, hardly any of us knew anyone in the business when we started, We, we didn't know anyone. And that's the beauty of the music business is because we like to say at Songtown, the answer to every goal, no matter what it is, if you just want to have fun writing songs or if you want to make a career writing songs, the answer is learning to write better songs. If you can write great songs, doors will open. And, you know, I... I emailed the person and they emailed back and they go, yeah, but when you started, it was different. You know, that was, it was 20 years ago when you first started out. And I emailed back and said, you know what? I went to an ASCAP, the last live ASCAP award before COVID. I went a few years ago and 40% of the winners were first time winners. Wow. 40%. So does that sound like a closed system? No, no, it does not. You know, I, I used I used this excuse one time with my first publisher. I was like, well, yeah, you've had all kinds of hits. You know, people are listening to your songs. They're begging for your songs, but they're trying to keep me out because I'm a, a newbie. And he said, no, they're trying to keep you out because your songs are mediocre. So quit complaining and learn to write better song. <laughs> and I'm like, it's true. Oh, it okay. sounds yeah. it sounds harsh, but it's so true. Yeah. And, you know, and I don't think any of us realize in the beginning how our songs are missing the mark, you know, because we it may be the best song we've ever written. And we think, surely this song is there, you know, but then when we get in there and we compare it, you know, we, we stack it up against the, the Ashley Gorleys of the world and the other people that are trying to get on those records. And it's not in the ballpark, you know, and, and so until I acknowledge they're not trying to keep me out. They're just trying to keep average songs out. Right. Because they can't use them. You know, it's not that they don't like me. It's, you know, it's not that they think I'm a horrible writer, but my songs are just not there yet. 
And then, yeah. you know, and when he said that to me, it, it, he said, you're going to get there, but it's, you know, but nobody's trying to keep you out. If you write a hit, they're going to listen to it, you know? And, yeah. and that's kind of something I've just kept in the back of my mind all these years is that if I write a hit, people are going to listen and, and they're going to, you know, they're not going to care if they know my name or they don't. Yeah. And I mean, it kind of leads me to the first thing on my list um, where people say often, well, I, I don't write that crap on the radio. It's too formula and it's too, you know, my, my music is more artistic, you know, even though I want to be on the radio, you know, I don't write that crap. And I think the, I think this James Garner, a famous actor from from years gone by, somebody was talking to him and they said, you know, when you when you act, it doesn't seem like you're acting. And he's like, yeah, that's by design, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it, to me, that's kind of like great songwriting. Great songwriting is so clear and accurate and and it hits you where you know in the heart where it's supposed to hit it seems so simple a lot of times on the surface until you sit down and you try to write something that good that effective and then you go oh uh yeah like my melody in the second line is adding four extra syllables because my lyrics are are not fitting in the way they should and then you know and it becomes this this mountain of problems to solve and you know the very hardest thing to do is to appear like you weren't writing you know <laughs> because there are a plethora of ways that you can look impressive <laughs> if you're yeah. trying to look impressive with your writing you can do that but you're going to have a harder time affecting people in the heart by trying yeah. to be impressive you know, I tell people in my lyric classes sometimes, you know, it feels like you're trying to impress me instead of communicating something clearly. You know, and pe sometimes people ask us if, if Song Count is a country songwriting site. And I tell them absolutely not. What we're teaching people is how to communicate clearly with music and words. And you can apply that in any genre. But that's the secret, like you said, of great songs is making it sound like that's just something you'd say as opposed yeah. to, Oh, well, that's a clever rhyme for orange right there. You know, I've never heard that one. You know, that's not going to get your song cut, but clear heartfelt communication will. Yeah. And if it's a clever rhyme doing it in a way that makes it feel like it was just obvious conversation that had to happen, you know, that that's the magic. When, when yeah. I hear a great line, it, it doesn't, it doesn't make me think, oh, wow. Like, it doesn't stand out. It's almost a great line because of how it fits in so well to the piece, and it just seems so natural. And yeah. even if it doesn't feel like something you would say every day, it still feels like conversation. That's the trick. But a lot of times yeah. when people try to get clever with the lyrics, it, it just comes off as sounding, well, nobody would say that. You know, it sounds yeah. awkward. It, it sounds like you're trying too hard. Yeah. All right. I've got another excuse. Okay. I don't live in a music center. Oh, okay. Well, I can just tell you, I can tell you from my own personal experience. Um, 
I lived in New York City, which was a music center. Um, and I was doing at the time programming, writing, doing tracks, um, vocals for TV ads. And the whole time I was doing it, I knew that wasn't what I wanted to be doing. I wanted to move to Nashville and be a songwriter. That was my dream. Not, And so there was probably like three people in New York that wrote country music at that time. Like it was not a popular thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I did not know anyone in Nashville that was in the music business, zero. So what I did was I found someone in New York that had been coming. He was a TV actor and he, his dream was to be a country artist. So he was coming down and labels would take meetings with him because he was a famous actor and great guy, great writer too. Um, but he came down, met with Mark Bright at EMI Publishing and had been meeting with Mark, you know, on and off for several years. Nothing was going on. So this guy and I started writing. He brought some of our songs down. And this goes back to what we were saying before. Immediately, Mark Bright goes, who did you write these songs with? He's like, these don't sound like your other songs. He's like, I love this. You mm -hmm. know, I get a call from Mark Bright going, what are you doing? You're a good writer. I like what you're doing. And, you know, a year later, I had a publishing deal in Nashville with that publisher at EMI. It all came down to the songs. And, and believe me, I was at this point, I was in my early 30s. I was not like some young kid who knew it all. Like it took me a long time to get to that point where I could write a good song. But it, it all came down to that song. So it doesn't matter who you know. If you write a good song, I can't tell you the excitement in Mark Bright's voice at EMI when he called me because he heard something he loved. He goes, yeah. this doesn't sound like everything people are pitching me here, but it still works in the marketplace. It's got a different voice. And, and he really loved it. So to me, that goes back to us saying, hey, if you're trying to break into the business, you got to focus on writing great songs and never stop getting better as a writer. I think one big point from what you just told as well is that you just took advantage of the opportunities you had. You, right. you had an opportunity to write with this guy. And because of that relationship with that guy, this, uh, this other good thing happened. And you weren't in Nashville, you know, working that system to make that happen. And um, there's a story I love to tell because it kind of debunks uh the idea of it's a closed system where I don't live in a music center. We had a Songtown member, Lance Sims, who got a cut on a major label artist that was an outside cut. He didn't write it with her. I wrote with her two or three times, knew her. I've got her phone number, you know, I mean, all these things. Yeah. And I did not get a cut on the record, you know. So in that instance, being in Nashville or having a track record had nothing to do with it because he had a song that she loved more than the songs I wrote with her, you know? Yeah. And so, and to, the next one on my list was that, you know, I don't know anyone. If, when I started, I knew one person. So if you know me and Clay, you've doubled what I knew, you know, the people I knew in the music business. And that, you know, that one person introduced me to a couple people and those people introduced me to some other people. And I gradually built up this network of people and, one of those people got a deal and 
the publisher loved what we wrote. So he called me instead of me having to go, uh, you know, knock on doors because of the relationships I built. Um, I, I got a publishing deal and you Clay and I created Songtown just for this purpose for people who don't live in a music center to be able to connect with other people, to build up a network. And we see that kind of thing paying off all the time. We have, couple people that met in our classes and they've had a couple of number ones in Australia. Um, the artist Gail and Sarah Davis songwriter met at one of our events. They went on to have the number one pop song in the world, you know? So it's not all about living in a music center. It's not how many people, you know, it's what you do with the relationships you have and what sort of network you're building. And you can do that remotely, you know, COVID kind of, changed the world in that regard and that so much more business now is done remote um, that it matters even less where you live. So that's what I tell people when I hear that excuse is like, if, if, if you live in Timbuktu and you work at building a network of, of talented people to work with and you keep your head down and you keep writing better songs, you've got opportunities. You know, it, it boils down to, to, can you write a song that when someone hears it, they get shivers they get that three-zone moment. Word of the day. Ding, 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 ding. Hey, there's a <laughs> What? I don't even know that Throwing word. a little frisson. Frisson. Some, wow. some French in there. I hope I'm saying wow. it right. I don't even um, know that word. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of like that moment where you get goosebumps. Oh. And, you know, we, we've had... We had... um one of the A&R people from Sony at one of our interviews a few years back. And when we asked her, what do you look for in artists and songs? And she said, I look for goosebumps, you know, like they really want to feel something and that, that gets their attention. And that I, I, it never goes away. That feeling of writing a powerful song is your weapon to slice your way into the music business. Yeah. Absolutely. And I've got one more um, excuse. You may have more too. Okay. One I hear occasionally is I'm older. You know, I'm, I'm an older person. I'm not one of these 20 year olds that's coming out of the gate, writing all these, you know, hip hoppy country kind of songs or, you know, whatever. And, and, you know, my response to them is, well, you know, I was mid thirties when I started. Um, Mm -hmm. But again, and I don't know how old Lance Sims is. I would guess he's in his fifties. Um, if people hear a great song, they don't care how old you are. And, you know, right. I, I counseled one of our Songtown members recently. He would, you know, he sent me something that he was sending out to somebody as a pitch and it had his picture on there and it told that he lived in Iowa. And, and I'm, you know, my response was, Hey, let's not emphasize that you're a 65 year old guy that you live in Iowa and, and all those things, you know, you don't have to put all that stuff on there or put that up front uh, because again you you just want people to hear the song you don't want them to go into the song thinking well this is probably going to be dated because a 65 year old person wrote it you know so don't yeah well when the song when the song becomes number one then it's a great story i lived in in iowa you know and and Mm -hmm. i've had friends that were in their 50s before they had their first big hit song i was personally Got my first deal in my early 30s. Took me about seven years. I think I was 39 when I wrote my first hit. 
Um, mm-hmm. Sam Hollander, we had him on the show a while back. He was 35 when he had his first pop hit. Um, in the pop world, you go, okay, they really like young youngsters in pop. Well, Sam, you know, was mid thirties before he had any success in pop music. So yeah, you can't, basically every time you think of an excuse, I can show you someone in the real world that bucked that excuse, that bucked mm-hmm. the system, that that overcame it, you know? Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, people in the music business are in business. And they're not going to turn down an amazing product. No. So if you turn them, if you, if you get them an amazing song, no one is going to reject that. You know, unless it just doesn't fit the artist or whatever. But, I mean... They're, they're going to acknowledge, this is great work. We need to find a home for this, you know, because we can make money from it. And that's what they're there for. It's their job, you know. So I look at it as my job is to help those people succeed by giving them songs that can help them make money. And if they make money, I make money, you know. So you're right, Clay. I think any excuse you can come up with is going to hold you back, you know, that you can't look at. Um, I look at being a, a person with in my 50s as an advantage because I've got more life experience. I've got more wisdom. I've got more things to write about. Now, can it make my songs sound dated or, you know, it hold me back in that regard and that I might, my language might be dated? Yeah, it can if I'm not careful. But I look at the advantages of being my age, not the disadvantages. And that, so I find people that can help me be cooler in my lyric and cooler with my melodies and that kind of stuff sometimes. But, you know, there's advantages to, to whatever it might be and there's disadvantages. And I think focusing on the advantages is what's going to help you get ahead. Yeah. In the words of a famous comedian, Steve Martin, you got to be so good that you can't be denied. And it's true. If you write, if you write a great song that, gives people chill bumps because it's so real and it's undeniable, then it it will open doors. I've seen it over and over and over throughout my career. And those songs aren't easy to write. You know, Marty and I don't write those every day and we've had our share of hits, Mm -hmm. Um, but we keep striving to write those songs every day. And, you know, when the, when that magic song comes out, and you put in the work and it happens, then then good things will happen for you. Yeah. I like to thank our sponsor, Sweetwater, for, you know, keeping up with my um, gear habit um, and and helping me every time I call them and, and I'm jonesing for some new gear. They're yeah. happy, more than willing to help me out, give me all the sales help I need with figuring out what will this work in my system with this plug in and this converter and, you know. They know their stuff, mm-hmm. so yeah. check out Sweetwater. We got links to them below. Marty, you want to say anything about Songtown? Yeah, we got uh, links in the show notes to um, Clay's book on mastering melody writing. We've got a book on uh, co-writing, which is the only one in existence. So if, you, if you're wanting to learn how to co-write, that's a good one. And then I've got one on uh, called Song Building that's on mastering lyric writing. Check them out. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Cheers.